Welcome to Six Pack Discussions, where Cody and Jared take on the biggest, most talked about headlines with logic, passion, and a six pack of beer. If you're listening, we challenge you to take an unbiased view of the world, because we know these conversations are complicated. So sit down, crack a beer, and welcome a new perspective. Okay, guys, coming in with a new episode from Six Pack Discussions. You got Jared and Cody here, as usual, as you can imagine. <laughs> Uh, Jared, what are we talking about today, man? Today we're going to be talking about single parent household, uh, households, and uh, you know different impacts on maybe children, minority groups, etc. I love it. Um, today we are drinking uh, a Voodoo Ranger from New Belgium, specifically their uh, Imperial IPA. Here, we'll give you guys a little bit of a rating uh, in about twenty minutes or so, and also uh, chat about a little bit about the beer. So, what made you put this on the list today? Yeah, man. So um, I don't know if you noticed, but I, this one actually kind of jumped a few spots because yeah. I was like, you know, I was reading into a bill that recently it was up for um, passing in Florida and it actually passed, I think, a little earlier this week. And so I, I bumped this up uh, in four or five weeks. And the bill specifically was, um, it's a Florida bill specifically for the, the state of Florida that took a drastic different pr- approach to how to treat fathers um, leaving the house or households uh, that they have, I guess, a common issue with. We're going to get into more about that, of course. So that's a critical issue with single-parent households. <clears throat> and the bill is $70 million. So it's a huge amount of money um, providing education programs, mentorships, one-on-one support to fathers and families, uh, specifically in Florida. So when I saw that, I was like, you know what? I think this, you know, it's not in the news that often. But this is kind of an interesting point because I'm not, me and you are always not about government spending, but Mm -mm. when it's in relationship to families and and trying to produce better results for children, I think we both usually agree that that's something that I'm all right with investing in. I'm always about investing in the people that can't help themselves. Yes. The the children in this aspect. I'm not talking about the husbands. I'm not talking about the fathers. I'm talking about the children that were born into a situation. Exactly. Um, So I think this, and, and one thing to kind of caveat this, I think, you know, something that you, we were talking about is, unfortunately, this is somewhat of a sensitive topic, I think, to some people. It, it easily can be. Oftentimes, because for one reason or another, it always gets penned about race. Yeah. And, guys, we are not talking about race. We are talking about single versus dual household people, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yes, it does tend to negatively impact, you know, in, in a Certain little bit groups. more. Exactly. A little bit more frequently in other groups. But this is purely about the impact of single versus dual. Yeah, and, and trying to figure out how do we make sure that we get the best outcome for families, specifically the children in those families. Mm-hmm. Um, so a little bit of background, guys, and, and Jared, you probably saw some of this stuff. <clears throat> I, didn't, I would never have believed this. I actually had to check this a couple <clears throat> times. Which country do you think has the highest rate of single-parent households in the world? Ooh. Did you see this stat or no? No, I didn't. Which country... Mm. I'll tell you, it's a lot easier than you think. USA. Yeah. <laughs> By a margin of three. Threefold. Oh, not 3%, threefold. 3x. Oh my gosh. 25% of children under the age of 18 grow up with a single parent. That's 18 million children in America. All across other countries, 7%. Wow. There's a couple other countries, of course, that are near us. Not even, not, not like... You know, like 24%. I think the next one's like 20, 20% or something like that. But um, compared to the world average, which is 7% of children born in single family. And, and this is crazy because I think most Americans take it for granted that we are the, um, you know, we're, we're wealthy. We have good morals in most cases and things like that. But unfortunately, 
we do not raise our children in two-parent households, which we'll see is actually a detriment, and we'll talk about some of those things. But can, is that not a crazy wow. crazy thing to think? We are the number one in single-parent households. That's horrible. What a horrible stat to lead in. I know. I, I wanted to start there. So <clears throat> you probably saw this a little bit, but what is more likely, a kid getting raised by a single mother or a single father? Oh, 100% single mother. Yeah. 80% of children. I'll say by like, what, fourfold? Yeah. Honestly? Yeah. 80%. Actually, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 80% of children um, raised in single households are by their mother. Um, And I think we can both agree it's probably because women are better people. Like, I think I'm all right with saying that out loud because moms care about their children. They just care differently. They care. There's a different level that I don't think us as males will ever get there. That that just shows a difference. Like, moms had to birth that child, they had to give part of their life to them. And so they're just going to have a different level of love and they're just never going to leave them in most cases. Of course, of course, of course there's, yeah. but in most cases they're going to say, sorry, I'm here no matter what. <clears throat> That's so horrible. I mean, look, I, I agree with you. In fact, of course, I mean, yeah. the, the stats are the stats, right? But that's just so horrible. I don't understand how you could abandon your child as a, as a father. Right. In most cases. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a rough or as a as a person, I don't understand how you could abandon your child, regardless of age, regardless of socioeconomic and whatever it is. Yeah, right. <clears throat> okay. Um, now here is the weirdest thing that I found. So I was really kind of down this rabbit hole. Why is America the number one in single parent households? What would you What would you say is the reason? Like, why do we end up the number one? It's such a misleading idea, which is so interesting. Are you talking about like you know government paying for the kids? No, no, it's because they're borderline incentivized to continue to have kids. That is, we're gonna get into that a little bit. Yeah, but apparently, because you can, <laughs> we're that wealthy of a country. We allow we, our poverty rate is so low, and our middle our middle income is so well that a, a, a father or a mother leaving their children to be with one of the parents eighty percent of the time with mothers, they're able to survive. In other countries. You would just die. Bingo. Interesting. So because America, we are so privileged compared to other countries just by living here and, and you know, having the opportunities that we live in, we choose to be all right with a parent or leaving uh, me with a child. If I was a woman, we're all right with it almost. Hmm. We don't cause an issue with it. Where in other countries, it's like, that's not an option. Interesting, right? That is interesting. Because we can. Yeah. That, it's, almost, it's like the privilege has ruined where we got from or where we came from. That's a really interesting perspective there to take. I know. Huh. And it makes me feel almost sad that we are so lucky that it's now causing us. So just out of curiosity, these other stats, I I believe you said, you know, 25% of America, you were leading in in the single other single parent household. Yeah. I'm assuming these subsequent countries that are up there with us in those 20 ranges are well-developed, well-off countries. Most of them. Okay. Most of them. Yeah. The top five were all pretty well off to do. But in the top 10, there was a couple of countries that were outliers. Mm. You know, Denmark was in there. Russia <clears throat> was in there. But I don't, I don't you know. They're not. Some of them were not even very close. Um, but then there was a couple countries that were outliers that were in Africa. Okay. Um, and, and those ones were still higher single parent households, but lower uh, median wealth. Okay. So there were some outliers. But in, in general, the higher wealth of a nation contributes to higher single parent household. I think you can make that uh, conclusion. Yeah. That's a, that's a reasonable correlation. Yeah. Um, uh, anything that you were looking at when you were kind of digging into this at all, you know, uh, it, it's a pretty powerful stat because all too often, you know, there are some, I don't want to say this, there are just some 
people that, that like to paint the victim card, you know, right? Upon them entering into adulthood, they're saying, hey, you know, I'm the very defeatist attitude. I, I grew up in certain ways, certain neighborhoods, et cetera. Um, and, and the stat I want to share with you, I'm going to start with 97%. Okay. 97%. If you graduate high school, if both people work in the household, and if you do not have a kid before marriage, there is a 97% likelihood that you will not be classified as poor in America. You'll, you'll be above poverty. Yeah. You will not be poor. How wild is that? Yeah. People, again, they routine, and this is, this is not whites, this is not blacks, this is not Hispanics, this is not anyone race. This is as a whole, you meet those three relatively simple criteria. Graduate high school, easy. Stay married. Not even stay married. Don't have children Thank before you. marriage. Don't have children before married. And you have a job. Both people work. Boom. And guys, you know, I know I talked about the, uh, it's not just a, a socioeconomic thing. But guys, just think about it. Whenever both people are working, let's say right now, I believe, what is the average income? 50 grand. Yeah. $50,000 per person. Right? And let's even take it down. Do you really think, let's just say it's, you know, 40,000. Let, let's say it's kind of the, the lower end on the average there. Mm-hmm. Both people are working. $80,000 household income right there. Do you really think your basic needs cannot be met on, let's say, what, probably $65,000 post-tax? I, I mean, there are so many more economies of scale, if you will, by both people working. Because, you know, that grocery trip, it's not like you're doubling. It's maybe like you're one and a half because sometimes with a, a single-person household, there's a little bit of waste involved. So, you know, people, again, you know, they... they, they they put middle class in, in this this pie in the sky dream because you have this very defeatist attitude. But I always love, hey, you know, there are certain things you can't control your height, color your skin, color your hair, color your eyes, et cetera. But you can't control if you graduate high school. You can control if you don't have a mar- uh, kid before wedding. You can control if you work. Yeah, I feel like two of those are almost undeniable. Like it's so much about your effort. And, and you may even discount the, the one that I think is not. Like, you might say all three of them are. I would hard press I, say all three of them are. I know. I, I, I do too. But let's just say I can do two of those based on the choices. Yep. And there's no outside factors, right? Having children before getting married, that's 100% up to you. It's yep. pretty dang easy to control that situation. It's physically 100% up to you. Like there's no outside factors. Undeniably true. Yeah. The second one is having a job. I think every single person can go find a job. And now I get it. It's not going to be the highest paying job. It may not be the lowest paying job, but it will be a job. That's all it counts. It could be a minimum wage. It could be below minimum wage for all I care. I don't care. A job is a job. Those two, I think you have 100% effort. The last one, you know, I mean, you come from a place of, you know, we went to public schools. It's not like we were some type of private or charter school or anything. We went to public schools. And yes, I get it. There are some neighborhoods where maybe... You know, transportation yeah. yeah I, I get it there's some, point. there's some things here where I, i'm not trying to say excuses but there could be certain environmental effects that may make it cha- more challenging where you might have to get a job before you graduate high school but high school right now is probably one of the things where you can graduate and, and I, I would say 99 percent of kids should be able to do that without issue so again that's my only one that i have a little bit of saying that may be challenging but definitely possible for for most people um one thing I wanted to throw at you, which is, I think, pretty interesting, is so what's the, the overlying effect of single-parent households? <clears throat> and this should scare all would-be mothers and possible 
um, mothers that are, are thinking about divorce. Single mother households are five times as likely as married couples to be in poverty. Five times as likely. So if you decide to have a children out of wedlock or decide to get a divorce early in, in your childbirthing years, I guess, you are five times as more likely to, to fall underneath that poverty line. Hmm. Um, married couples are only 6% chance. Only 6% chance to be in poverty. Wow. Because they had a child in wedlock. They had they probably more than likely graduated high school. And they probably have a job. At least a, a one well, person may have a Borderline job. in line with the stat that I just shared. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But, but isn't that crazy? Five times as likely if you are an um, unmarried mother. Life's going to be very challenging. Yeah. Which is so disheartening for me. Well, I mean, I mean, just think about it. Having a kid by yourself to not have anyone else to help pick Lillian up from school, drop yeah. her off, to go to doctor's appointments. I mean, your career would have to take a backseat at times because your child has to be your one. And we already talked about that, that mother's love that cannot be replaced by anything else. No. You, of course, want to put your child first. But then, of course, you know, there are subsequent factors. You got to be able it's to horrible. put food on the table yeah. at a certain point, right? And so there's so many, um, so many, I guess, things you have to take a, a hit on. And, mm-hmm. and just like you said, right? Um, another thing. So getting into uh, the, the groups that are more specifically, specifically affected uh, by this. So let's go through this, and then I think we can uh, maybe open up our second beer. Is that where you're feeling? <clears throat> yeah, man. Uh- so I want, to, I want to share a couple of percentages as far as it's the percentage of children under 18 in families living in poverty, right? So, hey, I'm, I'm a 15-year-old kid. This is my likelihood of being raised in an impoverished household. Let's say if I'm white, okay. um, if both my parents are married, 5% chance, relatively low. To be in poverty? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. 5% chance. I didn't know you were going down that route, but okay. I, I have different <clears throat> stats for something else. This is great, actually. I like this. Let's say I'm in a, a mother-only household that jumps up by 6x to 31%. Almost a third of all single mothers, white single mothers, are in poverty. I, I love that because I think some people think that it's a race-based problem. <clears throat> that, that's the, you know, sometimes people say white people are, of course, privileged and apparently not white mothers. Now, yes, I mean, that's still a lot. Now, it, let's jump into African-Americans, the black, hole, black okay. household. Married couples, 12% chance. Okay. So probably about, you know, two and a half times the yeah. likelihood, right? For a multitude of reasons, but still relatively low. 88% chance. That you're going to be successful. Exactly. Family. 88% that you'll be out of poverty mm-hmm. if both are. It jumps up for single mothers, 45% chance. Oh my gosh. Half, half of single mothers that are of black family household half. will be in poverty? Yep. That's what you're saying? Pacific Islander. This is an interesting one. Pacific Island was actually the worst. Um, for married household, 17% chance. Oh, wow. Yeah. That, that is the highest. One in five. What's and it jump up to for single moms? 45. So it, it ties the African-American household. Okay. So that was interesting. But uh, yeah, the, the 17%. Asians. Asians, Asians. I do. For married, 8%. The lowest. Really? Uh, no. Uh, whites were five. Oh, Okay. And then two or more races was six. That was the second lowest. And then Asian was eight. Okay. For single household mother, 25%. Okay. In the Asian. So about a quarter. Yeah. Okay. So they're a little bit above white. Yep. Okay. Those are interesting. I actually, I, so I pulled up some different ones based okay. on races, but I also pulled religion. 
Mm. So um, I, I, I was like, you know what? There's probably a difference. Um, and there is. So Christian and non-religious families. So people that are not um, practicing, uh, probably maybe came from Christian backgrounds and they just kind of are now like not practicing, are about equally affected by single parent households. While other religions like American Muslims and practicing uh, Jews see less of an impact. Um, so the numbers are actually kind of hard to root this out apparently, but apparently <clears throat> if you are practicing American Muslim or practicing Jew, you are less likely to be in a single parent household. And that actually you just have sense. those those Christian morals, those Christian values that you. Well, I guess Muslim and Jews are the ones that are going to be less likely, right? So right. those, I guess, because religion probably is bigger. I, did I say Muslim. Christian? I meant religion. Okay. Yeah. I meant so I think relig those religions just have a little bit more of like a family basis. Um, Christian, of course, does as well, but probably what happens is it gets a little bit more um, maybe washed or, or cleaned a little bit, and then of course non-religious people fall about the same. So I thought that was interesting because. There is also a religious base, not just race base or ethnicity or anything like that. Races, though, um, so what I had here is actually a little bit different stat than what you, so you went to poverty. Mm -hmm. What mine was is what is the likelihood of a uh, child in certain uh, race categories um, falling into a single parent household? So how, how likely are you to have a single mother or mm -hmm. a single father? Okay. Um, you have Asians, that is the least likely, 10%. I can see that. They just do not get divorced. They do not have parent, their kids out of wedlock, it seems like. Um, it is the lowest percentage by far. The next category is whites, 21%. Mm. And these are 2020, I think, or 2019 stats. Okay, so relatively new. Yep. So, yeah. 21% of white households, uh, or white children, will be uh, born out of wedlock or have a single mother or father. Um, you have Hispanic uh, Americans, which are 28%, so, okay, so right in line up. with whites uh, almost. And then black is the highest jump at 51%. Half. Half of black children will not have both parents in the household. So you know what's so interesting, man? If you start like really correlating the stats, and I don't know if, I mean, I don't want to start, you know, creating Jared Jones research paper over here, but you know, you start compiling these stats and really kind of playing off of you one another. Like, uh, how I, I just know that you know this whole systemic racism thing continuously getting brought up. I was like, well, if we're saying that regardless of race, there is a drastic, drastic decrease in the chance of you being impoverished if you're staying married well, as you have kids, and then all of a sudden certain races are at the top of the charts. I mean, that's a reasonable correlation, right? That, no, one hundred percent. And I actually wanted to kind of go down this rabbit hole to hit this on this, and I think we can we. Pause, pause real quick. Yeah, I think we need to pause because I think we're going to start getting into a little bit more opinions. But also, let's just kind of talk about how certain groups are affected. But let's pause for the beer. So I already did a little shout out, but maybe you can uh, remind everybody what we're drinking today. Yeah, so this is the Voodoo Ranger Imperial IPA. Kind of a fun little icon there. It's the classic Voodoo Ranger skeleton in a flight jacket. In a flight scoot. Yeah, it's pretty cool. From New Belgium. This is, a, this is a Cody pick. So I'm actually really surprised that I finally converted him to actually start picking out IPAs. Guys, this is a ABV of 9%. It's a little high. Definitely. A lot of high. Um, lot on, high. on the bottle here, guys, um, I think Jared already kind of mentioned the uh, the green background with the skeleton there in the flight suit, but um, it says right here on the side, a rare blend of choice hops creates an explosion of fresh cut pine and citrus flavors for a completely or complex, rich, and delicious finish. Dude, I love marketing teams sometimes. <laughs> 
Let's just add a bunch of words. Seriously. Yeah. Fresh cut pine. Okay, this is bottled, bottled out of uh, Fort Collins, Colorado. And also, it looks like Asheville, North Carolina. So it looks like these guys have been expanding, which is pretty cool. They got an okay. East Coast, West Coast uh, forefront here. So, uh, of course, you lived in Colorado a little bit. You know these guys. Oh, I love Foco, yeah. So, <clears throat> what are we thinking for a rating on this? Yeah, man, I think it's a solid, solid sipper. Um, I don't think it's as good as we've been having the last couple of weeks. I think we've been spoiled the last two or three weeks. So I think this is where we kind of get back down to our average. I think it's solid. Uh, I'm okay with it. I would give it a, a, a reasonable three seven. I think a, I think a good good solid beer. Three seven means you'll drink it again. Oh, all day long, yeah. You know, I think this is all right for me. Yeah. I'm actually gonna go two seven. Oh wow, full point, full point below you. Um, I, I think you can tell that it's 9%. Oh, yeah. Um, and the taste. I was going to say, the taste is sacrifice. Exactly. I think that's what happened when you start getting a little bit higher in there. You know, you're, it's a, it's a pro-con situation, right? Oh, maybe I want a little higher alcohol. Well, the taste <clears> is not going to be as good. You know, it's, what's wild, though, is after one, I don't know about you, I don't want to speak for you, but I've already, I've already felt it. Like, if I'm at a bar. Oh, yeah, I probably wouldn't order another one. If I'm at a bar, I could not order another one. Yeah, yeah, and we're on our second beer. Definitely, it would be a challenge. I, I might order another one. I'd be like, hey, I'm not depending on how long home. we're going to talk. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I might bullshit with you a little bit more. Yeah. Um, you know, if we're having this kind of conversation, we're going to order two more. Clearly. Yeah, <laughs> well, we're kind of forced to. Yeah, the, clearly. The name of the name of the podcast. But uh, shout out to you guys, New Belgium. I think we've had a couple of you guys by now. Voodoo Ranger. I think they have about five or six different brews by those guys. It's kind of like a line, I think. So, um, if you guys are listening, go uh, go find this one, Imperial IPA. So. I like where you're going down here. You're saying that systemic racism, um, different types of things. Look, I, I'm are, not saying, and this isn't this podcast to talk about. All I'm saying is it's not everyone else's fault. I'm just looking for a couple of stats that show maybe there's a little bit of ownership in this as well. Yeah, no, this is actually, I, I, I kind of went down this little bit of a list too. Because once I started looking at this, I'm like, man, 51% of black children That's horrible, are getting man. affected by this. Okay, so is it a race issue or is it a family unit issue mm -hmm. and so um i started researching and, and an author that i've actually read a, probably maybe six or seven of his books now he's probably one of my favorite authors uh, from from just a uh, analytical perspective not a fun read to be honest is thomas soul um he's a an economics professor out of california and so i actually found a whole um book on him and i was actually kind of excited to i read the uh the kind of the, the abstract of it mm -hmm. <clears throat> and one of the quotes um i'm not gonna i have another quote from him that i'm really gonna read actually direct from the book but one of the things that he mentioned is um nigerian families that move from nigeria to america so immigrant parents immigrants are historically some of the poorest groups of people um because when they get here they really kind of have to uproot their entire families so when they move here, it's very challenging for them to, within the first generation, to grow. But what they found is that Nigerians have one of the highest rate of married couple children. Uh, so so they, they stay in relationships similar to levels of white and actually better than white uh, married couples and closer to Asian families. Mm, and good. so they decide, hey, we're, once we're married, we're staying married, similar good. to Asian couples. And what they found is that median income graduation rates, all of the things that indicate good family health are on par or if not better than white children in hmm. Nigerian specifically. Now, of course, there's outliers in every group, but it's very interesting because that means that there's probably 
discrimination may not actually take effect if you're Nigerian. Now, that's weird because I, I don't think I could point in a group of people who the Nigerian is. No. There's no way for me to know who is Nigerian. And I think most people that are hiring individuals or, or providing promotions, they probably don't know that they're Nigerian, right? Most people just look at somebody by their skin color and assume something, right? And, and that's what we're trying to say is, is that that shouldn't matter. I think it's horrible. Yeah, exactly. That shouldn't <clears throat> matter. And clearly he found out after doing this analysis is that he's like, guys, I don't think that's happening because it's more of how the culture perceives the family unit is what matters more to the success of their children. That's what he was getting to. That's his conclusion is that how Nigerians believe in the family unit are much more important than, say, in some other cultures where they're not as good. Right? That, that's interesting, right? Mm-hmm. No, it is. I thought that was, like, somewhat, you know, powering. <clears throat> well, uh, again, because obviously Nigerians are, their, their skin color is black, mm-hmm. right? So I just love that we're able to find, hold on, wait, like, th- this actually can go back to the family morals and the, the choice, the ownership of the situation and really trying to, def- don't let it define you. Don't let the statistics define you, right? Yes. One other um, thing that I wanted to get into is uh, Thomas Sowell actually started, he, he references, um, uh, I guess, stats. It's a U.S. Census Bureau stat that they, they track every year the amount of unbirthed children, or sorry, unmarried births. So how many oh, children are yeah. born? I saw this. Out of wedlock. Is this from 2018? Uh, it, it is from 2000, or sorry, 1950 to 2018. Oh, okay. Now I know what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. And so what it is, is it's a per year tracking. And so the percentage of children born out of wedlock um, in different uh, races ha- has increased in general. Um, Drastically in the African-American household though, right? And that's what I'm going to get to is that, so between Hispanics and Americans, it's pretty similar. They've increased at a similar rate. I think in the 50s, wasn't it about 25% for African-Americans? 20%. And- Okay, actually, I, I thought I, I read 25. I think it's actually 18 or 19% here. I I'm not sure I can't tell, but it's below 20. Okay. So 20% of births in the African-American or black families were born out of wedlock. Right now, the amount of children born in black families out of wedlock is 72%. So one-third of children, when they are born, if they are black, they will have a, a family that is married, a, a mom and dad that are married. And that right there is striking. And, and this is actually something that Don Lemon from CNN, he actually stated this as one of the largest contributing factors to lower income, lower success rates, and things like that. You know, Don Lemon, of course, is he's on CNN. Normally, he's going to, you know, find ways to, you know, point fingers at things. And he's saying this is the issue. Mm-hmm. The issue is that we just have people that are having children out of wedlock. So I think that's a very powerful reason right there. So, of course, we're going to talk about some solutions to that a little bit here in the next beer. But Well, it's actually really funny that, because oftentimes this this problem yeah. gets politicized unnecessarily. Hundred percent. Right. The Republicans pit against the Democrats. Me, Democrats and vice versa, of course, to be true. So there was a there was a piece from the New York Times and the, the title was something to the effect of the myth behind the two person household. Oh. The, the two parent household. That that was the clickbaity title. And of course, it goes on to a multitude of reasons. And it's so funny because it actually doesn't ever dispel or prove the myth that they, they so-called it. They are more so just pitting against the whites versus the blacks. Like prime example, they actually utilize that chart that I shared earlier. Like, you know, hey, white to, to black as far as family. They said, you know, 5% for 
for white and then 3x almost 3x for, for black poverty it's like guys this isn't a white versus black yeah. it isn't and that's why i really respected this uh this article that i came across it was aei.org and there was this article from ian Rowe, who happens to be an african-american male he's like guys why the hell are we we trying to make this a a white versus black thing this is purely just a a factual hard stat yeah saying hey five percent happen to do this twelve percent happen to do this they just happen to be the different skin color Right. So I really respected that. And I really hated the fact that the New York Times took a, such a political stance. It was it was embarrassingly obvious that they were leaning left on this. They were just trying to condemn and continue to reprimand, if you will, the, the societal norms that's accepted from white people versus black people, et cetera. I was like, guys, guys, no, 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 no. Why are we still talking about this? This is dude, this is perfect. What exactly what you're saying is is like People want to blame it on maybe like historic things. And this is actually a quote I pulled from his book because I started reading it. Oh, go ahead. Well, it's just so much easier, man. How, how all these podcasts seem, we, we seem to find various parallels and maybe not direct mm -hmm. parallels, but I almost want to compliment. I want to compliment the one from uh, our prescription pills, oh, right? Yeah. The, the quick fix. The quick fix to get me out of jail, if you will, uh, uh, metaphorical, like, oh, it's not my problem. <laughs> Sorry, I was just born, born black and a uh, single mother. So I'm okay to do heroin or something crazy. Yes, do some shit like that. To whereas you know, let's let's parallel it to the to the medication podcast that we did. Oh, uh, I'm I'm depressed. Quick pill. Let's not discuss my poor eating habits, poor exercise habits, mental health issues. Nope, I just need a pill for that. Yeah, and it's almost like okay, it's a cop out, man. And that's the personal cop out. And then we have media trying to cop out as well and point the fingers at a group of people because it's a little easier than to look into the actual possible cause. Yep. Because the cause is, unfortunately, it's like two, three, four layers deep. And this is something that Thomas Sowell, in his book, he wrote in here, in uh, the book that said, um, Charter Schools and Their Enemies. Okay. I got a whole little bit about this. This is very interesting because he believes that it's the best, and this is my solution, unfortunately, I'm already kind of alluding to it, but he believes that this is the solution to this entire issue. We'll okay. get to that in a second. But a quote in here, he says, one cannot ignore, and this is a direct quote from the book, guys. One cannot ignore the legacy of slavery and the gross racism that, and denial of civil rights in years past. Agreed. It is absolutely disgusting. This is me. Horrible. It's absolutely disgusting that we've had this in our, in our uh, country. And black, honestly, eye, black eye on our report card. Exactly. And it's disgusting. Honestly, all over the entire world, this has been a problem. But let's look at the legacy of slavery and racial discrimination. In the late 1800s, so slightly post-Civil War, Depending on the city, 70 to 80% of black households were two-parent, so on pair with uh, white families yep. right now. So that's good. So that means that a lot of kids were born within wedlock. The black family, which has survived centuries of slavery and discrimination, began rapidly— this is a quote again, guys. I'm, I'm just reading directly from the text. The black family, which has survived centuries of slavery and discrimination, began rapidly disintegrating, meaning they were getting more divorce rates. They were not— marrying before having children that's me stating what that means back to the quote in the liberal welfare state that has subsidized unwed pregnancy and changed welfare from emergency rescue to a way of life so he pretty much has stated that when there was more discrimination and more honestly civil rights denials more problems with america there was a higher rate of family units staying together, specifically in family. As we have um, integrated as a, as a country and became less 
which I'm not saying it's perfect right now by any means. Nope. But as we've grown as a nation and became more, um, I, I, what's the right terminology there, uh, integrated as a nation or more, less racist. Yeah. Maybe that's the proper term. Diverse acceptance yeah, almost. exactly. As we become saying, hey, guys, I don't really care what you look like, what you, you know, how tall you are, what color you are, if you have hair or no hair. All I care about is can you do the job? Shout out, bald people. <laughs> but as we've gotten to that point, we have seen actually a reduction, though, uh, in family units or, or, or married uh, families having children. <clears throat> so he, what his idea here is a conclusion to this, and I, I can't keep on reading on, of, of course, course, but his conclusion is essentially saying that the parallels don't make sense. Past black eyes that we have created are not actually the issue that's easy to point the finger at. Discrimination, things like that, are not actually the cause of households falling apart in um, black families, maybe Hispanics in some cases. For one, Asian families have, have huge amounts of discrimination. If you think about Chinese railroad workers... And Asian cultures of all types. Dude, World War II era. Dude, I'll, say, we, I'll say we have so many black eyes from America yes. as far as the Irish, the Japanese, of course, the blacks. I mean, the Italian, yeah. <laughs> Italians, thank you. Yeah. The Jews. Yes. I mean, we have been horrible yes. in our history. Yes. And unfortunately, recent history. Let's be real. Yeah. But, Japanese in World War II. I mean, that's what, 70, 80 years, years ago? Yeah. Horrible. We put them in internment Disgusting, camps. actually. Disgusting, right? But then again, look how they bounce back. Now they have the Least. lowest. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's almost an ownership standpoint. Well, it's a it's a cultural phenomenon almost. Like, okay, are we okay with allowing this to happen, you know, as a family? And I think something that <clears throat> when I was reading through this, I'm like, is there some type of incentive for people to say, you know what, I don't want this father in the household? And this is something I think Florida's trying to fix is mm-hmm. like that should never that shouldn't be an option. Like, of course you want a dual parent household. Yeah. <laughs> So, so when you were doing this, and we're halfway through our second yeah. beer, so maybe we can see. Do you think that <clears throat> that there's been an increase in divorces or unwed childbirth because, and unfortunately, guys, I, I'm not trying to point a finger here, but I think women may not believe that they need a man in the relationship to be successful, perhaps. What do you <clears throat> think about that? And men feel like it's, a, it's like a get-out-of-jail-for-free card. Unfortunately, because we are that bad of a group of people, to be honest. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, we're yeah, like, you, cool, you, bye. You know, it's one of those things. Well, look, by no means am I trying to get on like an anti-feminism kick or anything like that. Yeah. But I think oftentimes it gets maybe misconstrued or maybe misinterpreted that you are a weak woman if you admit that you need a man to be better. Yeah, that's that's not a good thing to go through life with. No, no, it's it's a horrible thing. And and guys, oh gosh, before I can just see the comments, <laughs> just pouring in on this one, I am not saying. No, I actually am saying. I am saying that a woman needs a man, and, a man and I'm also going to see a man needs a woman. Yes. How much does Anna chill you out? How much does Brittany chill me out? I tenfold. I don't know. Yeah, but it's un, a yeah, reasonable amount. Exactly. Yeah. We are better together in pairs. Yes. Yes. Right. So I honestly think it's one of those things where it's almost too celebrated. Like I'm a strong, independent woman. I don't need no man. Well, I'm, I'm a strong, independent man. And and I will go be the first one to say, I need a woman. I, 
need my wife to help me be better in life. Sorry for an aside here. Have you ever heard of a man, Sam Strong Independent Man? I get it. There's some men out there that are just complete a-holes and will never marry up or anything like that. But how many of them have kind of like say, I, I'm a strong independent man. I don't need a woman. I've never heard that expression. Me neither. Like I, I just think like men, especially if they got married, they're like, Yeah, I need my wife. Like, like I don't know how this even yeah. I don't know how life works without having Seriously. my wife involved. There are so many things. And, and guys, I'm not trying to say like, you know, I'm the guy that you know, has my wife do everything for me. I'm sure there's some men out there that don't do anything. It's not, it's a team thing. Yeah. But I cook, so, she cleans. Exactly. Yeah. There are so many things that I just don't even know how they like occur. And there's so many things that she sees. It just happens. It just happens. Yeah. And so that's how a team works is that you do your job, I do my job, and together we create a better outcome. We're stronger. We both have more energy. We, we can both kind of, kind of divide and conquer, yes. if you will. And the stats say this, right? We both contribute. Yeah. Like, that's what the stats are saying. Yes. So I, I actually think that's a, a large part of it is this, and this sounds so horrible to say out loud because I'm not trying to be sexist, but it's this, this women empowerment movement to where it's like, no guys, yes, yes. I, 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 I think there are strong women everywhere. Yeah. But I still believe, I don't care who you are, the strongest man or the strongest woman, I still think you would be better As with a, a partner. As a team, yeah. No, I, I think that's fantastic. So I, I think that's actually a contributing factor right now. Um, oh my gosh, I'm I'm just randomly looked at my page here that I'm I got write some notes up and and <clears throat> this is neat. Some research studies had summarized um, a couple of different reports and they show that uh, those children that are raised not raised in homes with married parents, so single parent households, to our point here, were more likely to experience physical emotional or sexual abuse mm, that's horrible have worse health exhibit more aggression to engage in delinquent behavior have lower education achievement earn less money as adults and to live in poverty so yes you may want to believe that you are an empowered female or an empowered male and you're like i can do this all by myself but think of your child because that is the result according to multiple studies that have been summarized you're you're essentially dealing them a hand a bad hand on purpose, <clears throat> not always on purpose, of course, right? There are widows out there and things like that, but you're you're incentivizing them to have a bad hand, which is, you know, guys. Also, just one thing to preface, I know, I know a lot of people right now are probably rolling their eyes, like, what are two white guys talking about this for? Guys, I am a product of a single person household. Yeah, <laughs> right. Let's just call it what it is. Like. I was with my dad for, for some time and then I was with my mom for some time and then back and forth, back and forth. Like I was not raising a two person household. Right. Yeah. So I feel like it, you know, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I think I've done pretty damn good <laughs> for, for where I'm at. So I, I'm, it just bothers me whenever people are looking at these stats and just look at it with a defeatist attitude. No. Yeah. No way. By, by any means, as if you are a child of these things, you, there are ways to fix this, right? Yeah. Like, you, you know, the nice thing is, is that I graduated high school. Exactly. <laughs> you, you decided, you know, to have a job. You decided, hey, you know, what? I'm going to get married. If I'm yeah. going to have a child, I'm going to be married when I do it. Yeah. And there's a lot of people out there in your, you say your situation. I'm on the opposite where my parents have stayed together. And I look back and I, it, it takes, it takes a little bit of maturity almost to kind of start looking back and saying, okay, what are the things that kind of help me out a little bit? And I, I had to tell my dad this a while back. Where I was born versus where I grew up is a dramatic impact on my life. And I had told him, I was like, hey, that was a, 
that was a huge sacrifice you made for the family to decide to move us from where all of our family is, all of our you know group and, and all those things. But you decided that, hey, between you and my mother, that, hey, the, the education in this area sucks. The likelihood of you being in a gang is tremendous. I'm going to uproot my family and move us somewhere else. Do you know how hard of a decision that must be? I, I had to say to my dad, I'm like, I, I don't know if I could do that. Think about it. I mean, think about right now. Yes. In Chandler, Arizona, all of your friends. Yes. Most of the family that you like is here. Yes. Like, I record my podcast here in Chandler, Arizona. Like, man. That'd be very difficult to yeah. continue recording. But just but, joking think, aside. Yeah, I know you are. But, I mean, you've never lived outside of Arizona. Well, I have. Well, okay. In your adult life, I'm sorry. Exactly, yeah. Like, that'd be so difficult to literally uproot you and Lillian. Yeah. And baby two to be determined. Yeah. To a different location, outside of all your friends, your family, like that. I, I, I don't know if I'd have the nuts to do that. It's a big deal. And so I, I when I, we went back, I had a funeral earlier this year. We went back there. And, and while we were sitting in that hotel, I was sitting in there with my wife and my child. And I was thinking, man, as I found out that one of my family members uh, was just shot and is in the mo- uh, hospital, uh, he just died actually as well because he's in a gang, one of my cousins. Another one of my cousins is in, you know, prison for murder and, you know, all these yeah, things, yeah, right? Yeah. Everyone has these family members. Of course. <clears throat> but as you think about it, you're like the likelihood of that happening in this area is, is fivefold, tenfold, twentyfold, whatever it is. Your parents or you, if you have a child, can make the decision to kind of decrease those chances. And that's where I, I, I had, I actually got out of my room. I said, hey, mom, or, yeah, that's my, my wife. I said, hey, I'm going to go uh, chat with my dad real quick. Went over to my, my parents' room and I said, I, I just had to give them a hug and, and tell them thanks. Like, I was like, oh my God. I was thinking through it. I was like, the likelihood of me being in one of those gangs or getting shot or, or killing somebody was probably five, six, sevenfold. So that is kind of like, it's not a, a moral of the story or anything like that, but it's kind of like, man, he made a decision to you know, lose income, to make a sacrifice. What's, what was really unique, though, is he was, and I'm not, I'm not discrediting discrediting your dad by any stretch of imagination, but I feel like he was able to make that decision because of the strength of your mom. And obviously, you know, with her skill set, being able to start a business here in Arizona as well. So from an income standpoint, it made a little bit more palatable because of the two person household, because he wasn't making that decision independently. He wasn't making it alone. He was making it as a partnership, a team. Yeah. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. And at that point in time, I think my mom was actually working, you know, she had a really great job and she actually at that point had to make also a sacrifice of saying, I'm going to be a stay at home mom. Because when you uproot your family, there's so many other variables. And so they both had to sacrifice. My mom had to say, I'm quitting my job because that job mm. wasn't allowed anymore. My dad had to say, I'm going to take a, a pay gap because I got to get another job. Golly, right? It's just a big sacrifice. So this is something that <clears throat> we went through. And I'm just, I, 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 I was just thinking today, of course, as I'm researching some more things. And I'm thinking, I had to go through that already where I had to say thank you. And I think my mom and my dad, but really my dad, my dad had to make the decision at that point because he was the one that's saying, we're going to take a step back, but with the knowledge that it's going to be better for us in the long run. And that's a hard thing to do. (laughs) I wish I had a better vocabulary to accurately depict how difficult that would be, right? Yeah. I I can't even think of an accurate analogy, right? I I mean, this this is one of those things where you have to... You have a 20-year vision almost. It's not just betting on yourself. It's, it's betting for the success of your family. And the area you're moving to. If you think about it, right? We moved to a, a nowhere land. And then we moved again. And then we moved again. 
right? Every single time because... And as your family is growing too. Exactly, right? More brothers. My mom, you know, never really having a stable job in that situation. Um, and so it was, it was very challenging. But again, I look back, I'm like, man, could I do that right now? <sighs> Doesn't feel like it. But if the situation arised where my child, I look at her and I'm like, you know what? I don't like the world that she would live in here. Bingo. And I think a lot of people made that decision very recently. In 2020 and 2021, I think there was more people that moved than previous years because of their children and the school system. Yeah, I mean, think about a, that. There was a max exodus in various states because of how the government handled COVID. COVID yeah. I mean, the, the stipulations they put on small businesses. I mean, there was a multitude of factors where people were like, F this, basically. Oh, 100%. And I think that is... So a lot of people think, oh, why would I ever do that? Or, or, or it's so hard to do that. More people made that decision, to your point, recently than has probably ever happened, other than maybe like the Great Depression or things like that. But in recent history, COVID created so many family moves that I, I don't think... I, I think a lot of people know about this, but people move from states to other states specifically because their kids could, could go back to school. Well, <laughs> it's just a small thing if you think about it, but it's actually but a big no, it's, thing. I was just saying, I don't think it's a small thing. It's man. not, it's not. But people I mean, don't realize dude, how big of a deal it is. Do you realize how formidable a, a child's mind is? A child's environment is? Oh my gosh. I mean, I mean, think about it. You and I have been friends since we were 11 years old. And it's because we both like each other at that point and we grew up together. And all exactly. of a sudden, you have parallel experiences. Yeah. And that matters. And that matters. And so when parents are looking at other children, as I stated, they're looking around. They're like, man, what is the likelihood to this kid having a parallel experience to that gangbanger? High. Yeah. So if there's a lot of gangbangers around, unfortunately, that's the only option. Now, of course, we're going to get the feedback and pushback and reasonably so. Well... That's because your mom and dad were making a lot of money in California, Not Washington. True, but yeah, but yeah. But that's what they're going to say, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, 100%. And as we already articulated earlier, you have about, what, a, a 20% decrease across the board. You know, we're talking independent of race, you know, white, black, Hispanic, Mexican, whatever, whatever. I don't care. You have, I think it's like 27% if you are a single mom and maybe like a 22% of being in poverty for a single dad. And then you have a 9%. For being a household, a married household. Yeah, if you stay together, even if you're in a bad neighborhood. You go through the hard times, you can make it work. You can decide to make it work no matter where you are. Mm-hmm. That's that's powerful. If I'm in a Hell bad yeah, if I'm in a bad neighborhood. You change your neighborhood. You change your environment. Yeah. If I'm in a bad neighborhood and me and my husband or my wife are looking and we're saying, oh my gosh, we're raising our five-year-old and our six-year-old. What is the future for them? I think for our listeners that are in those areas, guys... It's such, I, I, like I said, I could not make decision. My parents did for me, and now I've been fortunate enough to do this. But I think the best decision you probably make is move to an area where the likelihood of gang-related things, um, bad schooling systems, things like that, you move to an area, whether it's 10 miles away or 500 miles away, that is probably the best decision in America that families can do. Probably the biggest, too. Oh, yeah. And, and I get it. You're going to lose money. You're going to pay for things that you don't think you need. You have to uproot your entire family. You're away from your grandparents. But America's Away from thing. your support system, yes. your friends. Yeah. Okay, so funny enough, we're in our third beer. Another solution. So I, I think that's the solution, right? Kind of. Like, hey, you know what? If you're in a bad situation, fix it. Okay, what if you're like, you know what? Guys, Cody, Jared, 
you're crazy. So that's not really a solution to the single parent household. That's just no. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah. That's a solution to uh, that's a solution. Kids, exactly. That, kids that's going. not a solution to our podcast. Yep, that's true. Okay, so here's a solution, and maybe we can go through a couple of them. Okay. And I thought of a couple, but this is Map the one out. that I'm I'm stuck on. Um, so in in uh, Soul's book, Charter Schools and Their Enemies. Right away, you're like, okay, oh shit. What are we in for? I didn't know charter schools had enemies. Yeah. <laughs> who who's gonna say schooling is bad or Bro, something like that? I've, I mean, I've heard of rival high schools. I guess <laughs> enemies sounds like they're trying to like tear them down, arson, break them down, whatever it may be. Right? It sounds bad. Yeah. And so, I mean, I hate West Point and Annapolis, but I wouldn't consider them my enemies. Exactly. Right. So, Soul says specifically. This is a quote from him. <clears throat> The best way to help inner city poor black children that are affected by single parent households is to allow them to attend a charter school as this is the best chance for a better life. That's a quote directly from him. Mm-hmm. And he is a black economics professor in California. Okay. So in the book, he says that compared to performance, Overwhelming uh, performance, uh, uh, like education, overwhelmingly poor black and Hispanic students in charter schools. He, he quotes a couple areas, Harlem and a little other low-income minority communities in New York City and Chicago. Students that had the same grades in traditional public schools housed in the same buildings. So he's saying, that, hey, that's the group I'm comparing is people that are in charter schools and people that are in public schools. He found that those charter school students pass the statewide mathematics test at a rate of six times that of traditional students. So if you are a, a parent and you have the option of a public school and a charter school, which parent would say that I will not enroll my child in a school that's going to give them six times the ability in mathematics, which I think most parents... That's a horrible parent. <laughs> you would say yes yeah. 100% of the time. But here's the problem. This is the solution, charter schools. Charter schools are the solution that I am proposing. And you can put holes in if you'd like to. Here's the problem. Yet in New York City alone, he notes that more than 50,000 students are on waiting lists to get into charter schools. So there's a lot of parents that actually are saying, I agree, help my kids. I want my kids to have a better future than I'd have. Maybe I'm a single parent, maybe I'm not a single parent. I just want to make sure that my kid has better scoring so that they have a future. That's what he's saying. These students are waiting lists not because uh, are waiting lists because the opponents of charter schools, and unfortunately, groups including Black Lives Matter, have persuaded those in power to tighten the limit of any expansion of charter schools. So charter schools have to ask for a charter mm-hmm. from the state. Now, anytime a charter school is created, it removes schools, or, or sorry, removes students from a public school. Mm-hmm. Public school gets funding based on the amount of kids in school. So what happens is, is that public schools have unions of teachers, and every time that they lose students, they don't get the right raises mm-hmm. that they are guaranteed in the future. So let's say a local charter school opens up. It has an attendance level of 3,000 students. Well, it just took, let's say, 500 students from six different public schools around that area. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you would say, oh, that's good. Why not? Let's put the students in the best school. That's what he is arguing for. 
but public schools and different groups, specifically ones that are against charter schools, state that no, we do not want to give parents the ability to choose a school because it will cause a uh, lower wage for teachers. Because teachers now have to be more competitive in their teaching ability. Because if I'm a charter school, I can teach whatever students I want to. Or, or, or sorry, if I'm a charter school, I can get the best teachers because I'm going to pay them slightly more. So what do you think about that solution? Is, hey, you know what? Give what it's called, the actual solution is called uh, a student voucher or a um, school voucher, where <clears throat> the, the, the parent can send their school to anywhere. And you remember this boundary issue yeah, when yeah, you were in yeah, high school? Yeah, yeah. Boundary exemptions, yeah. Exactly. So, so I love the idea, but I, I guess I'm just confused on what problem are you trying to attack? Are you trying to attack, you know, the the out of wedlock children, or are you saying, hey, these are the kids that were born out of wedlock, let's get them better schooling and set them up for success. I guess I'm, I'm just, maybe I'm not following, maybe it's because I've, I've had 18% beer in me now, so, well, I guess probably 24 since I'm halfway there. I don't know if that would have a percentage. Oh, that's how it works, man. I checked it out. I Googled it. <laughs> no, that's interesting. <laughs> no, so you're trying to make the connection here. I, I'm, just trying to, I'm just trying to get the solution here. Yeah. So is it is it more so, these are the products of the... Out of wedlock children, so I'm trying to make their lives better, or are you trying to get the root to out of wedlock children being born in general? Yeah, so I'm not going to legislate okay. married couples. Okay. Sorry, no more divorces. Not yep, possible. Yep, yep, exactly. Not possible. It's horrible. I'm not going to legislate children can only be born in, in, in married couples. I can't legislate those things. But what I can legislate is that parents have the ability to <clears throat> give their children a better future. Okay. And when I, when I give them the ability to have an education that is better than what they could have gotten, they're going to graduate high school, which we already have agreed. That is a huge deal. Yeah. Okay. So you're graduating high school at a charter school. Okay. Well, hopefully, while they're doing that, they're becoming a little bit more educated, which we both agree, more educated families also have a less likelihood of having children out of wedlock. So now I'm fixing option, problem number two of having children out of wedlock. That's statistically true. So the third issue is, is that I just need to have a job. Well, does education help you get a job? Yes. Okay. So I just fix all three issues because my child is going to be better ready for adulthood. Right? When they graduate high school at 18 or 19 or whatever it is, as long as they don't have a child that they bared during high school, they're probably going to do all the things right afterwards. So I think that's the issue is, is that 14 to 18-year-old right gap, we need to fix that. And as long as parents, and I think most parents, I, not, I can't, of course, speak for outliers. Most right. parents want to provide their children with a better life than they had. I would hope all, but yeah, I understand what you're getting over the cop yeah. out. Oh, yeah, most of them. So. If you had the option as a parent to send your child to a school that's going to have six times a better outcome, what? Mm -hmm. I didn't even know you could have. Like, your grades are that low that there's a school right down the street that can provide six times a better outcome? Like, yeah. what is that? <clears throat> yeah, no, I, I respect that. Does that help you connect the dots there? No, it does. It does. I appreciate that. So my solution is a little different, and it will require a little bit of legislation. Oh, boy. And you're I'm all, usually... I'm you're a big government guy, man. You're always... Bullshit. Are you kidding me? You're always trying to force people to do stuff. No, I'm trying to incentivize people properly for the behavior that I'm trying to... Let's just call you Mandate Jared. Dude, I'm, I'm a big Mandate guy. Mandate. Okay, so what do you got? 
Step one. Ooh. Contraceptives, both male and female, are free. Mm. Okay. Not only big government, but big spender, Jared. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll am see, I? Let's see what we get. Come on, keep on going. Second bill. This is going to be called Make Families Whole Again. So real quick. I'm sorry. Going back. Contraceptives. What do you consider contraceptives? Uh, condoms, birth control, spermicide. We should do a whole episode on birth, birth control because I think that might also contribute a little bit to this issue too. But we'll get into that one because that one, I don't know if that's actually good for females. My wife at least doesn't. And now I've kind of went on to that. Yeah, I know there are certain hormonal ones, not hormonal whatever. Yeah, exactly. So that's a different whole other talk episode. track. Different. Yeah. So you're saying just anything. I really don't think two males should talk about female contraceptives, but whatever, we can. Well, there's just got, uh, I think Merrick just passed their very first male contraceptive. I saw that. Birth control. I did see that, yeah. The so pill. I think we can do it if there's a male one now and there's a female, we can say what are the How about this? If we get an Instagram comment saying talk about male contraceptives, p- pill form, we can talk about it. But anyways. Okay. So that's what you're trying to say is, hey, any type of way to prevent childbirth. Yep. Contraceptives are free. Second, Raise the tax incentive for married couples. For children? No, for, for staying married. Raise the incentive. To whereas more years you've been married, bigger incentive. Mm. From a tax standpoint. So yes, is it a big spend? 100% agree. However, look at the cost from an opportunity cost because again, these are people that are likelihood of living impoverished, likelihood of being on welfare, exponentially increased, correct? So I understand the big upfront cost, like, oh my God, Jared, you're really just trying to give away all your paycheck. No, I'm trying to shift the money a little bit, change the color of the money to where we're going on the front end to incentivize the right behavior versus the back end from the product of the bad behavior, in my opinion. So married couples doesn't mean you have children though. It doesn't. So you think that the shift should be on married couples even without I think if we start promoting marriage, what are you going to do if you sleep in the same bed next to a woman (laughs) every night? Because you're incentivized to stay married. No, I agree. I just don't don't want, um, unfortunately, I don't know if this is true or not, but Bill Gates and Melinda, they have a tax advantage because they divorced. Right now, our system has an advantage to that situation. I'm not saying they did it on purpose. But they have an advantage situation. It has nothing to do with their children. I don't like there to be advantages. I'm just trying to incentivize marriage right now. Yeah, okay. Not, not, and then I think the, not the children the, part. Well, I'm just assuming that that's the second order effect of incentivizing the proper behavior of staying married. And that's why your tax advantage with every year of marriage gets kicked up. I just think that marriage for, married, for couples that are, have no children and have children probably decreases as you have children. I think I think sorry, what? it decreases. So I think that you're more likely to get divorced if you have more children or, or have children. You hmm. see what I'm saying? I think that it's a lot like that's not a burden to uh I, I don't know if this is real or not. I, I might be just making this up, of course. But I assume, you know, one of the things that say, say people fight about most when they're married, it's money, children. Okay. So I'm saying that I wonder if you're incentive I'm just pushing back a little bit. Yeah, I, I can yeah, I'm just wondering if that incentive almost would incentivize people in a way that there's no reason to have children. Like, so why? We just think that the growth rate is going to just stall. Well, people are going to stop having sex. That's actually a problem right now in America. We our growth rate is stalling. China's already dealing with this. China's growth rate has stalled dramatically. So, 
U.S. is this. This is probably going to be the next biggest issue in America in our economy. Is our our children bear, birthing rate has decreased. So right now we are right at the cusp of two children per family, or I think it's one point eight. As we decrease it from two to one, well, anything like two obviously would is a problem because you're not replacing the next generation. And whenever you don't do that, that means that your population starts decreasing, and your economy has to shrink. You have less people buying stuff. Yeah, there's no way it works. So America right now is on the cusp. Most European countries already stalled. China is is now bearing the burden of their one child policy. Oh, the second order effect. Yeah, bingo. They now have an older generation that is dying off. That's no longer buying anything, and the middle generation that buys a lot of stuff is so small because it's only one kid per parent. So I don't ever want to. I don't like incentivizing things that don't entice people to have children or more children. So I'm just trying to figure out, does your policy incentivize marriage or children? You see the difference? <clears throat> I, I get the difference, but I was just trying to attack because I, I don't know how in my little, you know, small minded brain, evidently, I don't know how to fix the, the children aspect of it. I was, so, doing the same, I was thinking the same thing. Give so, them a credit, a bigger, you get a credit for a child. Yeah. So give them a bigger chi- a child credit. So if you're a parent and you're like, Hey, if you're married, yeah, there we go. So maybe we almost combine. Man, that sucks though for fucking single parents. If I'm a single mom and my next door neighbor has, has both parents in the household and they get twice the deduction, it, it would tell me to say, guess what? No, dude, you're not fucking leaving me. Exactly. Dude, that's what we need see, to have see, more see, of. See, it's that actually really interesting. So my premarital class, this is probably two, two and a half years now that Brittany and I took this. It was really interesting. My pastor told me, and, and you got the opportunity to meet him at my wedding. Really, really humble very good guy. Very yeah. personable. Yeah. You choose to love Anna through your actions. Right. Yeah. Whether you take her car to fill it up. Whether you cook her food. Whether you do X, Y, Z. You choose to love. Right. Love. Uh, look, maybe Anna, you could I don't, do- I don't, I don't, Anna, I don't fill up your car for gas. I don't know if you expect that or not. I just want to make sure that that is not something I told Jared. And I have not told you. I do not do that. I do cookie foot. <laughs> just make sure. You know, if she's Sorry. listening to so this. Um, this would be a good test if she's listening. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. So, oh, sorry, man, dude. you shouldn't, dude. I'm marriage test nine percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you choose to love. Yes. Look, I'm not trying to offend anyone. They're like, oh my god, I we locked eyes and I just loved her at first sight. If that exists, cool, good for you. I personally don't believe in it. I feel like it takes work. Hey, of course, I was initially attracted. I was initially attracted physically, intellectually, etc. But ultimately. What I'm saying is, is I choose through my actions, through my repeated actions, what I'm willing to do. Very similar to our friendship. There have been times where we pissed each other off. There have been times where you've done things for me. I've done things for you that you didn't ask for. Yeah. Like, hey, you know, I can count on Cody to do X, Y, and Z yeah. because he's done it yeah. 18 times in a row. You know, hey. There's expectations. Exactly. Expectations through action, intentional actions. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where I'm going back to that route. If I incentivize marriage properly, look, the growth rate and the children, I would hope that would come. I know. But I think right now we'd have to to kind of re-incentivize. Man, that's such a horrible word. Incentivize marriage. That's such a horrible word to say. A Phrase. couple of words to say. Yeah, it's weird that we have to even think about, hey, marriage is better than being single. Like, like, that's a weird thing to say. Like, 
I'm happy, you're happy in marriage. And there are people that say, I'm happier not in marriage. And guess what, guys? There are outliers. There are people out there that should never have been married. They beat their husbands, probably the rarity. They beat their wives, probably more common, right? Like physical abuse. Brittany's been working on it a lot lately. I'm scared. (laughs) Trying to make a little bit of a joke of it, guys. I know it's serious, but I'm trying to say that, hey, there are people out there that probably should just be in prison or jail or whatever it should be because they are physically abusive, maybe emotionally abusable, but... The vast majority of probably divorces, and you can probably come at me here, are probably because of choice, disagreements, um, not wanting to work together, money. Infidelity, money. Infidelity, right? Money. Like, guys, what's enough money? Like, we get it. Everyone wants more money. But it's it's actually really funny that you mentioned that. So I was, I I follow the Market Hustle on Instagram. I don't know if you do. One of my favorite accounts, honestly. Okay. I, I think you would really like it. I highly recommend you. You follow it. But anyways, it was uh, it was this little post earlier today, and it was, I know people that are living paycheck to paycheck, making seventy thousand dollars a year, making a hundred thousand dollars a year, making two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, living paycheck to paycheck. The amount of money does not matter. It doesn't fucking you matter. Can be it upset. never will matter. No, it never will matter. Well, we went over this. I know. On one of our episodes. I know. The amount of money to make you happy is so much lower than and people you think. think. So much lower. Guys, so the, you know, I know, I know Instagram famous and renting private jets and shit sounds cool and it's everything. It's all bullshit. It's it all is bullshit. bullshit. Happiness. With is the Balenciagas and everything like, cool, man. But that doesn't make you freaking happy. Okay. We're closing up here. Yeah, I have yeah, one little side, little let's, side let's note it, let's here. This is hilarious. Cause you're mentioning about the jets and stuff. So I'm up in New York visiting a client of mine. And, uh, you know, the night before I'm heading out, I got an early flight. It's like a 5am or 4.30 flight. First flight out of New York. And I do that because there's no one at the airport at that time and point in time, which is great. I like doing that. I like getting yep. around my fucking area. In and out. Yep. So, first flight. Well, I night before, I always make sure how long is it going to take me to get there? 30 minutes. Perfect. Well, I noticed when I, when I typed in the address for the airport, <clears throat> it had two different addresses. And I was like, kind of confused. And I was like, okay, what's going on here? Because, of course, I'm not in that market every year, you know, all, all the time. So, I don't know. I want to make sure I'm going to the right spot. Well, the first one is the actual airport address. The second one is Gulfstream, which is a type of uh, Learjet or whatever you want to call them, right? Private jet. Gulfstream photo shoot. Uh, Shut the fuck up. What's a, you know, um, building, whatever it's called. Uh, Airport hangar. Hangar. Yeah, that's it. Hangar, hangar. Gulfstream photo shoot hangar. I was like, okay, well, let's check out what this Please is. Please tell me you went to it. Yes. I didn't go to it. Oh. I went to the website. I went to the website. No, you should have gone. I need pictures. I, I didn't have time, man. 4.30 in the morning. It's not open. Oh, you should have gone the night before. So pff, I'm doing this at 10 o'clock at night, you know? Damn. So Excuse me. Excuse me. Oh, my gosh. So I look at the photo website. This website literally allows New Yorkers to go book a $600 day to go take photos in a golf stream on the runway in the hangar. With, you know, uh, branding on the flight, if you want to spend another $300, you can put your little logo on the plane so it looks like it's your jet. All fake. All fake. So, again, guys, if you're listening, the money thing, not an issue. Like, don't make that the reason. I, the dude, it's really not that much. I think it's a household work. income of hundred grand. 
It's not unattainable. How, no, you mean you mean happiness? Yeah. No, it was seventy seventy thousand dollars. I thought it was a hundred. Seventy thousand okay. dollars is optimal health in a family household. It differed per state, if I remember right. Yes, right? but optimal household income is seventy thousand dollars. That is optimal uh, uh, um, uh, happiness, and then every single you know dollar after that, it does increase, but not on a curve. Linear. Yeah. It's very small amounts, and you're right, one hundred and five. Was that okay? I thought it was 100. 105 okay. is the the peak, right? The pinnacle, and that's where it starts. And then after that, it deteriorates. But again, guys, the the amount of money is not a huge amount. If we're talking about children and happiness, and we kind of got off topic there because of course it's a funny joke. <laughs> Jared says, "Hey, let's create some type of incentive." And it's funny, Florida just did that. Florida is literally trying to incentivize fatherhood. They're trying not, not they're not incentivizing directly with payments or anything like what you're trying to say, but they're like, hey, you know what? You're going through a little bit of a hard patch. We got a mentor for you. You go through a hard patch. We got some uh, 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 mom and dad counseling, free, free. You you come to a counseling sessions twice a week. We're gonna help you through these rough patches because they don't want to see that divorce rate increase. Love it. So they're, they're trying to do it kind of your route already. And I, I'm fine. Spending money on that is, well, as we already talked about, tenfold uh, ROI later on. Yeah. It, it sucks at first. But yeah. whenever you look at the long and second, third order effects. Yeah. I don't know. That, that's, that's, the, that's the Jared bill. And my thing is, is just increase the ability for parents to choose where they go to school. You know, I, I, we could do both of them in parallel, to be honest. Like, hey, let your parents decide where you go to Man, school. We're just going to piss away all the tax funding. I like it. Well, this doesn't have – all it's doing is reallocating the funds that are already mine, – mine's different, right? You're trying to add cost. I am not Well, adding. I could think of a few freaking line items I'd like to decrease. Okay. Yeah. But you're trying to <laughs> add cost. I'm trying to reallocate costs. Well, I can make the same argument. No. There's some stupid shit that we spend money on. But I'm trying to say, hey, guess what, guys? You're already spending money in public school. All it's going to go is to somebody that's just a little bit better at doing what, what you say you can do. And Man, you sound like Elon Musk with your capital allocation. Actually, uh, guys, as we come to a wrap, speaking of Elon Musk, Cody, I'm going to throw a curveball here. Twitter has been in the news too damn much. I think we've got to talk about that next, man. With the recent board, board of directors, what they just did to Elon Musk the other day, like... Okay, let's do it. Let's do it, man. I, I think it'd be kind of interesting to figure out where it started with Elon, with the poll, and you know, kind of what he did with his actions, what he's trying to do, and then you know, it's kind of complicated. And I think a lot of people don't understand how that public market works with their board of directors. And I, I don't personally know exactly how it all works, but I think a little bit of research could kind of give us a, an edge well, to help I, I, our listeners. Truthfully, I don't know how it works today. All I know is with a publicly traded company. You sell shares of your company, which means mm-hmm. if you own one share or in Elon's case at present state, I think he owns like 9% or whatever yeah. it is, you are an owner and therefore you have influence. And then of course, with Elon with his following, he has a lot of more times X, right? But, so I like it. That's dude, cool. I think, I think Twitter, it's just been in the news too damn much lately. I'm curious to, to see what transpires over the next week as we do research and hell, Elon is about as unpredictable as freaking Donald Trump on Twitter, so or social media in general. So, we'll see. Hey guys, uh, really hope you guys appreciated this episode. I think this is one that is semi-sensitive, but a little bit. Hopefully, we um, we did it respectfully. We in, tried in to. The most scanner, yeah. In, in the most if we didn't, possible way, let us yeah, know. Let us know. 
know, we're not trying to point fingers by any means on any of these situations. What we want is to make sure that parents have options and, and want to give their, their families the best possible outcomes. And, and, and on, on, honestly, you know, it's funny. We're, we're both males. The, the goal of this whole episode is hold males accountable. Hell yeah. Hold your husbands. Guys are being shitty right now. Yeah. Hold your husbands and your baby daddies. I guess that's the right terminology. Because 73% of kids in, in, in black neighborhoods are born with a baby daddy. So, you know, this is, this is a father, for anybody that doesn't know what the terminology means, a father that was not married to their wife. So, I, I, I don't know who can argue that we should hold more husbands, you know, and, and more baby daddies accountable. Like, moms are doing what they can with what they have. And I think they're probably doing a better job than what most believe. I'm always thinking that moms are probably right. <laughs> Let's be honest. Moms are why we have civilization. They Oops. do a great job. They're so rational. They are. Moms. Women, women are so much more rational than men. 100%. So let's hold men accountable, guys, with this There's episode. a reason why they live longer. <laughs> yeah, they don't do stupid shit. We can't help it. It's in our DNA to do stupid shit. Argue about stupid things. Get mad about stupid things. We can't help it. It's, we could do a whole episode on how testosterone affects God, development. Couldn't we? Okay. See you guys later. Thank you.